truth. 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 Welcome to Trusting the Truth with Samuel Tolley, where we view the world through the lens of Jesus Christ. We do not view Jesus Christ through the lens of the world. Are you God's man? Are you a saved man? Weren't you called to righteousness and holiness? It's time to step up. All of God's men must step up. We've laid back for far too long. We've avoided the fight. Now the enemy is strong. The sidelines, they are gone. And the battle lines have been drawn. This is a battle that starts on our knees. Or on our face, if he's so pleased. God didn't call women to lead. Many called to take a stand. To stand for our families. To stand for our land. Many called to illuminate the way. Darkness must flee in the light of day. Men dedicated to him and him alone. Men who garner strength from his mighty throne. Oh, my brothers, it's time to stand. And when we stand, it won't be alone. How you doing? This is Sam Tolley, and this is my inaugural Manly Monday for the year 2024, coming to you January 22nd. And we're going to start off this Manly Monday this year with a godly man, a man that's running for Congress here in the great state of Arizona, a man that has been on many battlefields, and he's ready to get into that battlefield, <laughs> that political one. So we're going to bring on uh, pastor and patriot uh, Jerome Davison. All right. I'm happy to be here. Manly Monday. What a powerful thing. I'm well, excited about being here, Sam. Amen. Well, one thing I like to do when I get men of God on, I always ask them to get the conversation going with a quick prayer to the Lord. So, amen. You want me to do a prayer? Yes, absolutely. I want you to give me a give me a quick give us a quick prayer so we put this out there because this is manly Monday and it's all about godly men. So let's go. For amen. It. Right. Well, Father, today we come to you in the mighty name of Jesus. First, we present our bodies to you as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto you, which is our reasonable service. We thank you for Jesus Christ, who sits on the right hand of your throne, interceding on our behalf. And he has blood has made us acceptable in the beloved and we are redeemed of the Lord. We thank you for access to your throne and we thank you for your audience. Father, we pray that you would just give us our daily bread. 
forgive us our sins and keep us from evil. Let your kingdom come, your will be done. Your power be revealed everywhere. Let the blood of Jesus cleanse the sins of the world and everyone who would believe on you, Father. We pray for protection over our children, protection over our women, protection over our nation, and protection over our president. We pray that every lie and every liar be brought down to shame and exalt everyone who has righteousness through Jesus Christ. Give them the positions and places that you have desired and positioned for them and prepare for them before the foundation of the world. We bind up every work of Satan, every imp, scheme, lie, and plan. In Jesus' mighty name, we thank you for this program. Let it touch, lift, encourage, inspire. Let it direct and give light to the path of someone who's listening. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, my brother, my pastor, my friend, patriot, yes. running for Congress for the second time. Yes. For those that don't know you, why don't you give them a quick synopsis? Synopsis. About your synopsis. life. You're, yeah, there you go. Your upbringing and whatnot. Well, I'm from Mississippi. I was born and raised in Mississippi. My father was a truck driver. I have three siblings, two brothers and a sister. My mom was, uh, was in the church and my father was a truck driver and they were not political at all. My mom taught me faith, my father taught me hard work. My father taught me manliness and not to be emotional. My mother taught me some emotions and spirituality and going to church. Uh, for 15 years old, my mom bought me a Bible with my name inscripted on it. That was the best gift they ever bought me. My parents uh, were kind of like lower middle class. My father owned a trucking company and uh, they bought me motorcycles, go-karts, you know, all kinds of stuff. But the best gift she ever bought me was my was a Bible for my 15th birthday. And uh, hold on one second. Yeah. And uh, so those are the two things, the principles that guided me through my life, man. Hard work and faith in God. I got saved at 17. I got spirit-filled at 19 at Arizona State. I dropped out of high school. We had won a state championship and all that kind of stuff. But I dropped out of high school because my parents' divorce was just, it affected me in a, in, a, in a bad way emotionally. I couldn't focus in school. So I went to California. And at 17 years old, out in California, I gave my life to Christ, went down to the altar. The pastor preached on Romans chapter 8. I'll never forget it. And uh, I went down to the altar, gave my life to Christ, and I never looked back again. You know, I went to Arizona State, got a full-ride scholarship to Arizona State uh, after going to a junior college and becoming All-American there. And uh, I never went out with any women. I stayed celibate. Um, no drinking, no smoking, no sexing. Uh, I just totally just gave my body over to the Lord and my life to the Lord. And uh, same thing in Arizona State, never never clubbed or made it rain on anybody, none of that stuff, no no drinking, no smoking at the party in the school in the nation. But uh, my temple belongs to the Lord. And uh, my journey into politics started under Obama uh, when he started attacking the original the traditional family. He started doing a whole lot of stuff with the transgender and homosexual movement. And uh, I was trying to you know, have these conversations with pastors, but they couldn't get past the color barrier. They, they, they thought that because he was black, he can get a pass. Well, no, no, sin, and don't, sin doesn't have a color. It doesn't have a race. It doesn't have a gender. It just wants to destroy. And that man came and destroyed us. So since the church was not listening to me uh, and, and I started a YouTube channel, I was doing very well. And then I got kicked off of YouTube. And then and God was like, OK, so let's look what you're going to do about it. And I said, what can I do about it? And then somebody called me, a very wealthy man out here named Jim Lehman. He ran for Senate and he called me to his office. He said, Jerron, I heard about your conservative prayer. He said, I heard it was dynamic. He says, uh, 
He said, uh, have you ever considered running for, for Congress or running for an office? I said, no. Well, wait, I gave wait, him a couple. Wait, wait. Slow down. You didn't move. You didn't move too fast, too quick. Okay. I want, I want to reel you back a little bit because the one thing you said that was highly significant that a lot of people don't even get is when you said when your parents divorce, it messed up your life. And, and, you know, we have this thing now where people can get married or don't be married, or it doesn't matter if you're married. And God's plan was always for a man and woman and to raise the children. Yeah. Significance of that. And I'm, I'm looking at what you said. Uh, the best present you got was a Bible with 15. And then at 17, you gave your life to the Lord. But then when, when the devil came in and did whatever he did to your parents, that disrupted the unity and, and the cohesiveness of the family which made you go off into another direction until he reeled you back in. Yes, that's right. It was very hard on me, man. It, it was, it was hard on me. And I, I can't even begin to tell you, you know, the, the, the gamut of, of emotions that I experienced. Uh, mm -hmm. We, I think we was the last family standing on my block. <laughs> that whole street that I lived on, uh, my, my classmates and friends and neighbors, their parents had gone through divorce. Divorce had ran up and down that street. Do you hear me? And then my parents had, you know, lasted another maybe year or two after the last parents on that block had, you know, divorced. And I was like, I was so happy that we was that we were still together. Although it wasn't it wasn't pleasant. My father was, you know, doing his thing with the with the women and stuff. And, you know, and um, but, you know, but when that happened, man, I, I couldn't focus anymore. I couldn't go to school. Now, when you you you, you said you went back to school um, and you you know, you spent some time playing football, but you said you, God also called you to pastor. Mm -hmm. You spent 20 years pastoring in California. Yeah. So you were, you were, you were a pastor in, in, in Northern California for, for some time before you came to Arizona. That's right. Well, mm -hmm. uh, so, so I went to a junior college after leaving Mississippi. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was 17. I wasn't 18. I didn't have a legal guardian. I was staying with my mother's sister. And I went mm -hmm. to a junior college and I and I told them I wanted to enroll in school. And they said, uh, do you how old are you? Let me see your license. I was 17. And it was like, oh, OK, do you have a legal guardian? And I went back home to my mother's sister and my aunt. And I said, hey, can you uh, do legal guardianship? She said, well, uh, she didn't know much about it. And plus, she was busy working two jobs. And and so I didn't want to bother her. So I went back to the school, talked to the counselor. I said, hey, man, let me tell you something. I said, I want to be in school. I don't want to go back to high school. And the next thing that I would end up doing is going on the street. So I don't want to do that. I need you to let me in the school. And he says, I'll tell you what, if you can pass this aptitude test, then I'll I'll make special provisions for you to come to the college. Mm. I passed it. <laughs> and, and then I told him, I said, let me tell you what I'm getting ready to do here. I said, I'm getting ready to be an All-American football player here, and I'm getting ready to get, graduate in two years and get a uh, and get a full ride scholarship to a Pac-10 team. This is what I told him. Mm. I had, yeah, I had confidence in my abilities, but I had more confidence in the Lord. I was walking in faith, man. I was walking my faith. I was filled filled with the Word of the Lord and just walking in the power of God, man. I was, you know, and living holy. So and and it was like, man, ain't nobody ever did that. Nobody ever got a Pac-10 scholarship from the school. No athlete, no basketball. I said, you ain't never seen me play. And brother, when I went out there and put the pads on, man, I was killing them. I was mm. I was running through them like, cause back home in Mississippi, them boys is like, look, you know, our D line and O line. That's like uh, the NFL right there. And I went mm -hmm. to California. Them little light boys. I was running through them. 
you know, and then I was, you know, big, you know, you know, I had, I had a, I have a frame like Bo Jackson and Herschel Walker. I just mm -hmm. wasn't as fast as them. But when I hit yeah. the sideline and when I go through the middle and run somebody over, there ain't nobody catching me. Mm. And so and and so my words came true. I graduated with an AA degree in uh, uh, AA in science mm -hmm. and uh, and got a full ride scholarship to Arizona State. And that's where my journey began here. But after Arizona State, I went to the Los Angeles Rams at the time. Me and Jerome Bettis were there at the same time. That was his first year out of out of college. That was my first year out of college. Okay. Uh, but I had a, I had an ankle injury, my right ankle. So it, it was bad. I had lost just about all the cartilage in my ankle. The doctors mm. told me that uh, I would never play again. It's over. Your football career is over. And uh, before I went back to get my ankle fused together, I prayed to the Lord. And I asked God, I said, Lord, I've been faithful to you. You promised me in my spirit that you was going to help me get into the NFL. And I was going to glorify you there. Man, I went back to that doctor and she was getting ready to fuse my ankle together, my bones, you know, because most of the cartilage was gone. All I right. went back to her with, a, with a, 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 a contract from the San Francisco 49ers. You understand mm. me? When I went to her, I was in full pain, but 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 sometime after going to that doctor, I had spent some time in prayer talking to God. God didn't heal my ankle. He just gave me the grace to go through it. And I, I made it to the NFL and played in, in pro football for four and a half years with that. And I still have a, a cartilage loss in my ankle to this day. Wow. So what got you in the ministry in, in California for 20 years? Well, man, I was I was the when I was with the uh, everywhere I went from junior college to Arizona State to the pros, I was always leading the team in spirituality. I, I led Bible studies. Nobody told me to do that. I just did it on my own. I knew these guys needed the the Lord, and nobody put peer pressure on me. I put pressure on them. Mm -hmm. Like when I was at Arizona State one time, I was walking down the campus, and some of the basketball players, everybody was, uh, the basketball players was cool. You know, these guys is tall and lean. And all that kind of stuff. And they say, hey, man, ain't you that deacon? Ain't you a deacon? And I turned around and said, yeah, I'm a deacon, man. What's, what's up? Y'all go to church? I said, you from Texas. I know you go to church. You from Texas. I know your grandmama praying for you. I know they want you to go to church. So I'm asking you to come to church with me Sunday. How about you, brother? You come to church? So I put the, I flipped it on them. But a lot of Christians who are young, they get shamed. They, they let them put pressure, peer pressure on them. And before they know it, they're going out to the clubs and doing stuff in the dormitories they're not supposed to be doing. But I put pressure on them. And the next time they saw me, they didn't say my name because they didn't want to be pressured to go to church. Mm. You see, I'm, I put pressure on them. I'm the light. I'm the light of the world. I'm the salt of the earth. And so I take that very seriously. So, but uh, so everywhere I went, I was team chaplain for the Raiders when I was there. Okay. Uh, uh, the players made me the team chaplain. And, and uh, Al Davis honored that because they they really enjoyed my Bible studies. And Al Davis himself was in my Bible studies. Um, mm. just before games on Sundays. Okay. So that life experience you had so far and what you're doing now and what you're attempting to do, it begs the big question that a whole lot of folks would ask. When did you become or, did, you know, what make a black man conservative uh, Republican? And, and have you always been or did you, did the lights come on like in a lot of people or 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 what was what happened? Where did this come from? Because you know, well, I was when I hear black folks, what they tell me is we all supposed to vote Democrat. Yeah, right, right, right. That's the big lie, right? But I believe I was called to ministry when I was eight years old. Okay, I didn't have anybody to direct me. So when I when I got seventeen, uh, you know, God was just I was just in that book, man. I was in the word very seriously, man, and I knew God was calling me to minister. But I was just 
I didn't jump ahead of the schedule. I didn't jump ahead of the timing. I said, God, if you want me to preach the word, I'm going to just rely on you to open the door, you know, and all I, I'm going to just stay in your word. I'm going to study and prepare and study and prepare and live the word. So eventually he called me, you know, you know, I was a team chaplain for the Raiders. As soon as I retired, I, I went into ministry there in Northern California in Fairfield. I planted a church there and uh, the church is growing as a family church. Church is growing. Awesome. Reaching out to young men, young women, families. I was doing marriages, weddings, all, all the things that a pastor is supposed to do. And um, Obama came along. I wasn't I wasn't very political prior to that. I wasn't political at all. When you, say, he was a, when you say you weren't political, does that mean you didn't vote necessarily or you didn't pay attention yeah, that's right. to what was going on? I didn't pay attention to politics at all. Every now and then I would vote. Okay. And sometimes I, I just wouldn't, I wouldn't pay attention to it. I felt like my job was to preach the gospel. I'm a pastor, ain't got no business in politics. And that's what they was telling us in the churches until they bring some of the Democrats in and voting time. You're like, y'all bringing them in here? What y'all bringing them in here? I thought we weren't supposed to be political. Right, right. But right. Obama came in, man, and, and I saw it. I, my eyes just opened. Uh, so, so yeah, I was Democrat. My parents mm -hmm. were Democrat, but my parents were not involved in the political process either. So mm -hmm. I wasn't just I wasn't I wasn't a part of the, the political stuff. But when Obama got in and I saw him destroying the family and bringing this LGBT movement is and, and inverting uh, uh, what is uh, a male man and what is a woman, the gender bending uh, deal. And, and, and I started preaching it, man. That became my main focus on Sunday mornings. And a lot of people was very upset with me. And uh, and uh, but you're so many of them against uh, Obama's policies or something. Yeah, because I was preaching against Obama's policies because he was, you know, coming with this same sex stuff. And I told him, I said, listen, this isn't about a man or a woman. Ain't nobody stopping them from doing what they want to do behind closed doors. They want to bring this stuff out into society, out into the open. And once they get their rights to marriage, they're going to use that to get a, a, a legal leg in the courts to push it on our children. And I told them that I warned them. Right. I warned them because God had showed me I'm a watcher. I'm mm -hmm. a watchman. That's one of the things I do. God shows me stuff. I'm a seer. Mm -hmm. I see stuff and I warn people about it. And, uh, and, and, and the people, they were, some of them were very upset. You know, you should be preaching about the walls of Jericho sometimes. Preach about the joy and, and you know, preach about it. And, and, and I sing. I sing. I can entertain the people. I can, I, I can sing. I can preach. I do all of that. Mm -hmm. But I'm very serious about the kingdom of the Lord. God said, when you pray, pray thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth, not just in heaven. Mm -hmm. And too many Christians are concerned about only righteousness remaining in heaven. Mm -hmm. But a true child of God should be concerned about God's kingdom being enforced in the earth. That is mm -hmm. God's kingdom against sickness, God's mm -hmm. kingdom against addiction, God's kingdom against perversion and Satan stuff. Right. Because it's Satan and those demons that are that are causing people to be sick, that are making people evil and that, and that are doing this depopulation stuff. So I can see that in the Democrats uh, platform and in their agenda. They're actually unrolling the Antichrist agenda. Wow. So um, from what I'm hearing, um, you're you're and it, it seems like it's close. I can, I can relate to it. It seemed like. You're a Democrat when you were just supposed to be a Democrat for no other reason than you're supposed to be a Democrat. Right. But when you start dealing with the reality of life and right. the reality of the word of God, and you start seeing 
of the life not lining up with the word of God, you have to mm -hmm. line up with the word of God. I mean, to me, it's, it's simple. A true Christian, a disciple of Christ, you know, you know, he has to line up with what God said, whether he likes it or not. It's what God right. said because he's the one he makes the rules. We and he didn't ask for our opinion. So, right. so I, I, for me, when I saw that certain aspects that society and everything were doing uh, didn't line up with the word of God, once I submitted myself to the word of God, mm -hmm. I had to go with what God said. And then it, it's amazing to me, just like I saw a news report, this woman, Fanny Ellis, um, this this the DA in Georgia that's yeah, yeah. Trump. Mm -hmm. A lying whore. Yeah, she was. Yeah, I saw what you wrote there. She was. Uh, some body gave her like thirty something minutes on the pulpit. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, I found that amazing that a church, a supposedly a church, would allow yeah. this woman, this house wrecker, this this, this person, like you said, that is a, 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 you know adulteress mm -hmm. in the pulpit. Right, right. Not even, not. I mean, if she's gonna go in there, you would not that she should ever be there, but <clears throat> she wasn't. Uh, from what I understand, because I didn't watch the thing, but I assume that she wasn't discussing her liaison with this with mm -hmm. this person. But she's talking about something, whether it's right or wrong. She was in no position in the house of God to be up there talking mm -hmm. about anything. That's right. That's right. So she, yeah. she's a she's a, a homewrecker, a whore, she's a liar, and she's bought and paid for by evil. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that that man that she courted around on her, and she said he was a brilliant lawyer. Well, he's never prosecuted anyone. And mm -hmm. and she she dirtied the money. She took six hundred thousand dollars, gave it to him, and then laundered it back to herself. And they were taking, you know, very expensive trips together while he was married. And for that church to open up his pulpit and give her a mic because she just needed to go in there because, you know, the best place to go if you're running from from your own sins and your own actions, go into the black church and just say something churchy. It doesn't have to be scriptural. Just make it sound churchy. And something that that's common and you're going to get a whole bunch of clapping and amen and shouting and get shoes thrown at you and all that kind of stuff. And so that's just to make her feel good temporarily. But I believe she is going to go down. I believe she her her crimes are going to find her out. Yes, of course she's a Democrat, and she's helping the Biden administration to prosecute President Donald Trump. But I believe she's a low hanging fruit from the tree, and it's always the top fruit that never get gotten. You got the you got the white folks up there that are pushing her to do these type of things. They're not going to go to jail, mm. but she's going to go to jail. Well, I mean, there, Georgia. I I don't know, but I would love to see equal justice under the law. I would love to see the reality of that. Pigmentation mm -hmm. should not apply. And, right. And, right. And I hate nor nor political affiliation. Nor you're absolutely right. I, I hate to see uh, people always go to what I no pun intended the Trump card of racism. Uh, I'm talking about black folks when, when they get. Mm -hmm cornered in their in their situation but uh what we need more is people regardless of skin color that's going to stand up for truth and righteousness and mm -hmm. that's one reason why 
you know, I was interested in the fact of your candidacy. Now, this is your second run, I believe, for the uh, right. the the district four, and and I believe right now, what is it, Greg Stanton? Greg Stanton is the Democrat incumbent. He's a Democrat incumbent. So now, uh, I want you to focus on letting the people know why it should be you. Why, why, why you should be ahead of the other. You know, because there was well, I think that what Kelly Cooper. I guess this was the person that had the mm -hmm. most Republican votes last time. Last year. Um, yeah. Why Jerome Davidson? He got that because I I got sick. I got someone poisoned me just before the primary last year. And I believe it was the FBI because they were following me after my video went viral. I dropped a very viral video called Make Rifles Great Again. The video I showed. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. No. Uh, yeah, go ahead. You The video yeah, called Make I Rifles Great Again. The video where you were talking about why you should need that AK, I mean, that AR-15 and all 30 That's rounds. And matter of fact, yeah. I, just, I just went to the range and cut off about 60 rounds this morning. And so there you go. So there I you believe, go. well, I, I, I'm, I'm fully Second Amendment. I Actually, I believe the only reason why we still have a First Amendment is because we have the Second Amendment. And if we didn't have That's the Second exactly Amendment, right. they would destroy the First Amendment. Yes, they would. And, mm -hmm. and, with, and with the First Amendment right being uh, repealed, within well, there goes freedom. That's right. Okay. Once you take away the Second Amendment, you will roll away the First Amendment, and without that, your freedom is gone. Yeah. Okay. And this is why people need to select Jerome Davidson for Congress, because I'm a freedom fighter. I love freedom. I love the freedom to be able to go where I want to go, to do what I want to do, uh, to say what I want to say, to have an opinion. I enjoy others' opinions sometimes, most of the time, even when it did, when it opposes my opinion. But that's okay. That's life. That's humanity. But when I dropped that uh, that viral ad called "Make Rifles Great Again," it went super viral, even with censorship. Mm -hmm. It turned a lot of black young youth uh, to me. I, I got a lot of uh, replies from them, and they said, "I didn't know. I didn't realize that." And I thought you was wrong until I started doing research. And they looked, researched it, and that video turns hundreds of thousands of young people young black Americans to doing research. It started barbershop conversations. Black men was doing barbershop. My barber and my, my entire barbershop is now voting Republican for me. Wow. But when I was first going in there, I told them I was running for Republican. They laughed at me, man. They, they couldn't stand me. It was like, who gonna cut his hair? I said, y'all better come over and cut my hair. I mean, don't, don't mess around. And so, you know, I know how to be down to earth, but then at the same time, I'm very educated and very spiritual. I can go on any, in any range. Mm -hmm. But I, I'm touchable and I and I know how to be in touch with people. Do you know those brothers in that barbershop are all now report, uh, voting Republican on the Republican ticket? Every Republican. They're not even going to vote Democrat. Okay, wow. Because I stood my ground and I informed them. I told them what Biden was going to do when he got in office. I said he's going to take away the oil drilling that's going to take uh, 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 energy and oil prices and gas prices up. I said rent is going to go up. He's going to open that border and let all of those people in here and that's going to make rent go up. They're paying for those people. They're going to pay $2,000 a, a, a month to the apartment owners for a, a studio, a smaller studio apartment. And that's going to make everyone else's rent go up. But you got to pay yours, but the illegals don't have to pay theirs. I said that to a bunch of uh, young people at ASU campus, and they said they didn't want to listen to me until I told them that. And I said, you're not going to be able to buy a home because China is coming over here buying up houses. And they're also giving these this 
subsidy to the, the illegals and your rent is going to go up. The price of a house is, I think the average now in Arizona is $400,000. A young kid just getting out of college can't afford that. Mm -hmm. And so I want to, the reason why people need to vote for me, for one, is that my experience, my 30 years as a pastor, as being among the people, with the people, praying for the people, being there for their graduations, being there for their family counseling, being there for their baby's first day of school, the birth of their child, the death of their loved ones, standing at their bedside. I know the feeling of the people and I have a heart for the people. Mm -hmm. I know their concerns and I've been with them and I have showed them public service without, without uh, what they call controversy or scandal. For 30 years, I've proven myself to the people. And for 30 years, I've loved on them as a servant of the Lord. And that's what I believe I'm going to be for them in Congress. I will be a representative for them who are for their concerns. Now, uh, I'm, I'm, go ahead. Now, you, you dropped a bomb a few minutes ago that I'm sure that people that are going to say, wait a minute. He said the FBI poisoned him. You know, that, that's, that's, I, uh, uh, that's not a small statement. Or you think they poisoned you. Yeah, it's my, it's my guess that they yeah. did because they were following me because. and then shortly after they were following me is when when i got very sick I, i've never felt that sick my the stomach pains that i had that night i never want to feel it again unless i'm leaving this earth you know it, i was i was in a lot of pain i had migraine headaches i began to hallucinate i was sweating i couldn't stand up my kidneys and my back were hurting my stomach was hurting i was in a lot of pain but it was only after they started following me after that video went viral okay. that i got very very sick and so yes, I was in January 6th, too. They're, they're, um, they're following you. They made it obvious that they were following yeah. you? Yeah, they were not trying to be obscure. Uh, okay. I come out of the gym. I come out of church. They were parked there. They just followed me everywhere I went. So I just started doing muscle poses in front of them. I'm not afraid of y'all. If y'all want to go toe-to-toe, man-to-man, I will bust you up. I'm still in great shape. Mm -hmm. So uh, No problem. I have, Jesus told me to turn their cheek. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Sam, <laughs> I, somebody said, "Well, you." Somebody said, "Pastor, you ain't supposed to talk like that." Jesus said, "Turn the other cheek." I said, "Yeah," but he didn't tell me who's. So if they, if, they, if <laughs> <you know? laughs> so if they come and hit me on the cheek, I'm gonna smite them back. So, so did it cause you to go to the hospital? Yes. Yeah, so I went to the hospital, my man, and um. I, I don't even, I can't remember how I drove myself there. I was in such bad shape. Man, let me tell you what happened, man. You're not going to believe this. Three o'clock in the morning, I checked into the hospital uh, and I'm drenched. It's like I got out of a swimming pool. I'm, I'm drenched in sweat, right? And I can't stand up straight. The lady still tried to get me to fill the paperwork in. I said, I can't. I, I said, I, I, need, I need to sit down. I need to lay down. I, she pointed over to the, to the people, to the, the waiting side. It was packed with the illegals. Mm. They had bags and papers and all this stuff. Sam, I went in at three o'clock a.m. Wow. The doctor didn't get to me till 7 a.m. I was laying on that cold hospital floor. By the time they got to me, I had very little pulse. They had to airlift me to Banner Hospital to save my life. Wow. You understand? You're dealing with a bunch of folks that shouldn't be here in the first place. Exactly. And they, and they prioritized them over me. And the type of taxes and the money that I paid in this country is ridiculous. And I wish I could get it back. Well, I think all of us do. I mean, they got millions of illegals that have crossed the border. And, and matter of fact, they're, I found they're flying them in here from other countries. 
know, yeah, they flying. They going over there to get them. And, they, and different places. Yeah. They're, they they're not swimming across the ocean. Or yeah, getting little yeah. Boats. They're flying them over here. Right. Yeah. This this is a Obama special. This is a George Soros special. He's got something called the Open Society, mm -hmm. where and then America isn't the only one. They're doing this simultaneously around the world. They're flooding other countries. They they're flooding. Uh, first world countries, and this is their way of taking away the people's voting power, taking away their voice by bringing these illegal Muslims in. And let me let me say this prophetically as well: that this has to do with, in from my biblical study and my exegesis, in Revelation chapter six, the white horse and the white horseman, and he he has a bullet in his hand, but he doesn't have any arrows. And that represents that, that they're going to take over without war. So they open these societies up, bringing these Muslims. They don't go to work. They come in these societies and populate. Mm -hmm. And then we vote them into political seats because they have the numbers. See, black people don't realize this. And while they're fighting for the Democrats and giving them rights to kill and the black babies while we only make 12% in this country. We have no political power. No one cares about the black vote. They think you I'm going we ain't going to vote for no Biden. Well, you, listen, you don't have enough numbers to even matter politically. Politicians want power and they want numbers and they want money. And communities that come in here, they populate like the Chinese, like the the Muslims and the Hispanics. They come in here and they're growing and they get political power. I'm running for Congress out here. I can't turn to the black community. For one, they don't vote for me because I'm a Republican. And two, they only make up 2% of Arizona's population. Why are black folks stuck in the Democrat Party? Lyndon B. Johnson did something and he said something very powerful. Lyndon B. Johnson was a Democrat and he was a lunatic and he was a sexual pervert and a weirdo, okay? There's stories of Lyndon B. Johnson running through the White House during the lunar year moon and he would be naked and screaming and howling like a wolf and, and, and defecating and spreading all kinds of feces all over the White House. He was, he, he, he was a Joe Biden of his day. Mm. Uh, he, he tied, civil rights was written, the freedom of uh, civil rights was written by, by uh, um, the, the Republicans and um, Abraham Lincoln. Well, he took and attached to that uh, welfare. And he said, I'm going to have these niggers voting uh, Democrat for the next 200 years. So you're talking about the Great Society. Yeah. And what Daniel Patrick Moynihan said was <clears throat> the fact that 25% the black single family household in 1965 that was the plan. Calls for action, and, and then a bunch of Democrats and black and civil rights leaders and folks poo-hooed him, and he was a Democrat. And yeah. now we're almost at three times that rate. Right, and so that that was a part of the plan. It was a plan that was written down. It was a script. Mm -hmm. uh, and then you bring in people like Margaret Sanger uh, mm -hmm. uh, and Bill Gates's father. He yeah. and and the the owner of Procter and Gamble, all they financed the movement for for uh, Margaret Sanger to to pay the black and yeah and, and 
to pay, pay the black minister like Martin Luther King Jr. and the black pastors to get on board with the aborting of black babies. This was a genocidal plan. And you're talking about hundreds of millions, a hundred or, or, or millions of black babies that have been destroyed by their black mamas, right? So yeah. now the popular black population, and this what they, they did not want what they call the black weeds to populate in this country. Mm. And so when you have black women out here champion, championing uh, abortion for the Democrats, they're championing their own demise. It, is a, it was a diabolical demonic plan by democratic white people. And my opponent, Greg Stanton, is a champion for abortion. And if he does that against me in a, in a debate, I'm gonna rip him from top to bottom and back up again. You know, because I'm gonna, say to, I'm gonna say to him, you are a white Democrat man. And you're gonna sit here and tell me that you're saying that abortion is for, about a woman's body and you know the origin of it with Mark and Sanger? Are you trying to tell us that you're a racist, Greg? Because there's no way as a black man and a black father and, and a person who is black in this country would go along with that diabolical plan that you guys have set up to keep us from populating in this country. I don't want, I don't want for those, some people are discerning people. You made a statement that I'm going to support that uh, when you mentioned Margaret Sanger and Martin Luther King. So on Martin Luther King Day this year, I posted the following quote from Margaret Sanger. Uh, we do not want word to go out that we want to exterminate the Negro population. And the minister is a man who can straighten out that idea if it ever occurs to any of their more rebellious members. And then I also posted on the same picture, Martin Luther King Jr., 1966, first Margaret Sanger. Received an award. Reward. Award yeah. winner. I had, you know, it was funny. I had one person, most of them, Black folks, I know they wouldn't even they wouldn't comment on that because <laughs> they just wouldn't comment on it. And there's one mm -hmm. guy said, "Well, people got you know that you know think they're upset with you because you want to save lives, but unfortunately, in the black community, sometimes we get these idols, mm -hmm. these, these idols, these false idols, and 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 I think one of the biggest problems in the black political sphere." is the weakness of many, or shall I say the disloyalty of many so-called black Christians when it comes to the word of God, because no man, I mean, you know, Jesus said, if anybody comes before me, they're not worthy of me. This mm -hmm. dude right here has proven himself historically. If anybody look at it, he was not a minister of God. He did not believe in the resurrection. He did not believe in the deity of Christ. And he did not believe in the virgin birth. And most black folks, when they call it reverend, they have no idea. And also, if you want to look at the fruit coming from the trees, uh, from Ebenezer Baptist Church is where we also got the the wicked Warnock. Warnock, yeah. You know, so you know it's interesting. But they want to talk about Herschel Walker got too many hits to the head. Some people say you look like Herschel Walker. You just as dumb as her. It's like um, you know what, man. You know what's dumb. Is supporting people that that kill your children and keep you in inner cities and shooting each other. They want to take away guns from citizens who are protecting each other and protecting their family, but they, they want to give you the guns and the drugs to kill each other. If yeah. they were really concerned about guns and killing and murder, well, then they take away guns from criminals in the inner city, but they give the guns to you niggas because they hate you. I, that's another thing I find fascinating about 
Democrats and Democratic Black people, when they when they talk about the racist white man and mm-hmm. they how they want to and the racist Republican, okay, but it's the but it's the Republican is this saying keep your guns. The right. people you're defending wants to disarm you. We see yes. in society once. I mean, fortunately, people in Australia and England still have somewhat rights, although during the pandemic, uh, you know, it got kind of hairy. Now in England, you, you, it's almost Islamic now. But the fact yeah, that see, you take away see. people's guns, like mm-hmm. I said, if they get rid of the Second Amendment, the First Amendment is gone. Yeah. I agree with you. So, yeah. Yeah, they, they attacked me. I was... Uh, Every year, the Oakland Raiders bring up the former players in for the last preseason game, and they and they give us a wonderful spread of food, and they bring us out at halftime, and we walk out there, Marcus Allen, Bo Jackson, all these different ones, and uh, I'm I'm in the midst of them, and uh, but after my ad dropped, one of the the players' wives, I was happy to see him. I hadn't seen him in 20 years, mm-hmm. and uh, and and he was uh, he played for the University of Miami. He was there with when Rock Johnson. Dwayne Johnson called The Rock was okay. also on the defensive line for uh, the Miami uh, Hurricanes. Hmm. Well, he was a number one pick in 90, I think 91. Well, his wife, man, comes up to me. When I walked up to him, I gave him a hug, gave him some dap, you know, talk. And she said, and I went to speak to her. She said, don't you talk to me. Get the H away from me. And I don't want to talk. You're an ignorant son of a. And bloopity 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 bloop. I said, what's your, what's your problem? What you you did that ad about the Democrats talk about they the KKK? It's y'all Republican. I said, have you ever read a book? Have you ever read a book? Don't talk to me. I said, man, get your wife, man, get your wife. You know, no, I, and I'm this is a true story. I'm not making this up. Uh, yeah, I've had I've had people that I grew up with, and, and, and you know, and it's funny because I have I have some friends that I grew up with. That are staunch Democrats, but they we disagree, but they still respect me as the person we grew up with. But I've had some other people I grew up with, and they found out that I don't think the way that I'm supposed to think. Yeah, yeah. All of a sudden, I got to be an Uncle Tom and a sellout and a coon, and yeah, exactly. You know, all these. I told them y'all got to get some different words, man. Yeah, I mean, my and and I and I've I've, I've tried to tell people. Conservative black folks, particularly Christian conservative black people, it's not so much that we're trying to. All we want you to do is look at the evidence. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Look at the evidence, see for yourself, and make a decision. Instead of just being locked in a program without mm-hmm. paying attention, without looking. But uh, you you were talking about the Internet Bill of Rights. Yeah. What's that? The Internet Bill of Rights is the only offensive weapon that we have against these tyrannical social media groups. Okay. Like I said, I was a, I was a, 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 a content maker on YouTube and uh, I enjoyed it and people enjoyed me. I gave them a lot of information. We had fun. You know, we was just I was just doing my thing and, and sharing the truth. They kicked me off the, pl- the platform without any recourse. I had mm. nobody to talk to. There's no phone number. It was just an unmerciful thing. It was close to. Uh, um, you know, election time and they want to censor people and they come yeah. with all this stuff. So my Internet Bill of Rights is going to give us the, the freedom of speech on these platforms, just like uh, it's the modern day social social square. 
it is a it is the modern day social square. So we have freedom of speech in, in the social square. We should have freedom of speech on these platforms. Right. And since we're subsidizing them with Title 230, which mm. Title 230 uh, protects them from any uh, lawsuits because of th something that's said on these platforms. So they're protected. Not only are they protected, but they're subsidized by the government. Our tax dollars help make them rich. And some of them, like Google, are richer than many uh, uh, third countries around the world. They make more money and they have become the source of truth, wow. of information. When people say, okay, what are, where is such and such? Google it. Who, who is such and such? What is, when was he born? Google it. And Google has become the, not a, but the information center and information hub of the world. Okay. Yeah. Um, so my internet bill of rights is going to change them from being a title 230 to making them a utility, a public utility. Mm -hmm. And once we label them as a public utility, they can no longer attack our freedom of speech. So they remove that title 230 that protects them for that. Okay. But since they want to edit our content and kick us off of this, they should lose the title 230. Also in this, in my internet bill of rights is uh, the data recovery. Okay. We're going to claw back our information and we're going to claw back our money uh, because on your phone, your phone is making a lot of money. It is the greatest commodity in the world and it's called data. The data that you use while you're talking on the phone, Skyping, YouTubing, texting, doing Google searches, that's data. That's money. People sell it. These companies sell it and they're making trillions of dollars a year. Now in my internet bill of rights, I want to give that data back to the people who own it and that's you and me. Okay. Now, uh, you know, people can use an extra $500 a month, an extra $1,000 a month from their data that they're searching with. And also, uh, you can also opt out. If you don't want the money, just say, hey, listen, don't sell my data and don't give me any money from it. I, I'm going to opt out. And so that's what my Internet Bill of Rights. Are. And also, I'm going to stop the, um, the emerging technologies from taking over our rights. All right. AI is coming up and AI wants more rights than human beings. Mm -hmm. uh, so. I want to protect us with that. And I also want to protect us from social scoring. My Internet Bill of Rights is going to stop them from taking information that we share uh, when it comes to our financing, uh, our thoughts, our Google searches. And then they give us a social score based on that. That social score is called almost like a, a it's worse than a than a, a credit score, because this will prevent you from being able to take to travel, to go uh, to the movies, to go to fun places. And so they're doing it in China already. They've rolled it out out there. And that's why they begin with the communism. And so they want to bring it here to the shores of America. And so, like I said, I'm a freedom fighter. I'm the only candidate in the United States that's talking about an Internet Bill of Rights. So you think that's like part of that diversity, equity, inclusion nonsense? Yeah, it's exactly. So they, they're doing it with the companies. Mm -hmm. They're doing it with the companies. When you saw Target do that stuff about the Baphomet and the lesbian and the gay and all that kind of stuff, right? They that's the corporation version of social scoring because these companies have to do that in order to keep their lines of credit. Of with, with BlackRock and, and yeah, and State yeah. Street and, and Vanguard because they are running yeah. the, the money, right? So they pressured them to push the Democrat agenda, the gender bending agenda through social scoring or, or corporate scoring. So now they've tied the government with corporation, which is fascism. Right. So they control them. And then this is how you control the people. When they when they try to force people to get inoculated, 
they said people are not going to get it. So they so they tied up with the, the, the corporations and said, now you force them to do it. Don't I let them in your stores without the mask. Don't let them go to work without the shot. That's fascism. That's when they came out with that mess about telling Coca-Cola employees, try to be less white. <laughs> yeah. So they want to teach them to be less white and to sympathize. with. Th listen, that's all that's all political. Yeah. It's all political. It's it's an indoctrination. So the problem with the Democrat platform is that it's demonic. It's doctrines of devils. And so it's doctrines of devils. So a, a man could never be a woman. And so a trans man, that word trans is false because you can never transition from a man to a woman or from a woman to a man. It's a lie. Well, it's, if, amazing, it's amazing to me, just like when Katania Jackson Brown's confirmation hearing yeah. and, 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 and Senator Blackburn asked her, can you give me the definition of a woman? And she said, she and she can't. said, yeah, the problem, well, she said, uh, she said, I, I can't. And, 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 and to me, Blackburn missed a, a great opportunity because if I was her, I'd have said, well, what are you? Uh -huh, exactly. You know, I mean, do you know what you yeah. are? I mean, how, how can you govern someone if you don't know what the species is? Yeah. I mean, so, yeah. yeah she said, uh, I, I, I'm not a gynecologist. <laughs> well, well, I'm not, I'm not a, a dermatologist, but I know I'm a black man. Right. You don't know if you're a woman or not. Uh, I'm sure she got a lot of money for that because what, what that told us is that she was going in to be a perpetuator of this gender bending uh, 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 push. Uh, you know, that she was going to help them with that. She sent out a strong signal that she was going to help do that. Now, what can I do in Congress to stop that? Is that uh, Congress holds the power to the, of the purse. I never I would not use I, I never see them use it. Just, right. You know, they're always scared, just like right, they're always scared to we can't shut down the government. <laughs> yes, we can. Shut her down. Yes, we can shut it down. The people are saying shut it down. Okay, because it's not working for us. If you have an open border and you have 30 million people flood this country, and 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 the and see, this is why black people need to need to support the Republican because when they open that border up and when they stop, when they ban police officers, the first people that get hit and get abused are black people and lower income folks. That's right. So when they send these people to, from the border, they're not sending them into wealthy white communities. They're not sending them into the homes of the Hollywood folks. They're not sending them over there to that, that merit. What's that where, where Obama lives? They sent, they bust them right out of there. But yeah, they're gonna send them to the Martha's Vineyards right away. Right yeah, they're gonna send them. Yeah, they go. They got them out of there. They they was nice about it. They gave him some biscuits and some cornbread and said, "Oh, well, sweet, nice seeing you. Get on out of here now." Mm -hmm. Because they, if anybody is racist, it's them. They can't stand. They don't like the smell of blacks. They don't like the sound of blacks. They don't like nobody else. They have to be ultra white. And every now and then they'll get somebody like a mulatto black, like a Obama, a, a Kamala Harris. Uh, 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 Colin Powell, Susan Rice, all of these have have dual citizenship. They're from Jamaica or from Africa, it, but but they don't never raise up somebody with a total loyalty to America. Both of their parents are from America, and their parents' parents are from America, and they're dark skinned They don't want that because black people love light skinned uh, house Negroes. Mm.
Yeah, it's 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 amazing. Obama never. I, I remember when he was came out when he did a Hillary Clinton impression of a Southern draw. And, and yeah, talk about yeah. you know, take off your house shoes and put on your marching shoes and and all this. Yeah, yeah. and you know what they do when they get through with that? They go in into their little sex parties and gay parties and drink, get drunk and laugh about how they got over and made fun. Of the black people and and Hillary Clinton, oh, what you put on? What's your favorite stuff to put on your chicken? I love hot sauce. I gotta have me some hot sauce. I keep it in my. I'm purse. like, wow. She keeps it in her purse, and then the guy said, "Well, it sounds like you're pandering." And she said, "Is it working?" <laughs> I mean, <laughs> wow. Okay, that was about as bad as when she was in 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 that church trying to act like James uh, Cleveland. With his mm -hmm. perverted butt. I don't um, feel no ways tired. <laughs> you know, it's like, man, I mean, the, it, you know, it's why on the platform that I use, I, I try as best I can to spread truth and knowledge. That's yeah. why my main podcast is Trusting the Truth. My secondary one is Manly Monday, because I, I believe that if there's any hope for this country, it's going to be with men. And it's going to be mm -hmm. with godly men, you know. Because yeah. God called, like I said, God called men to lead. Period. He didn't. He he didn't call us to run behind mama or wives. Mm -hmm. uh, and mm -hmm. um, you know, un unfortunately, when I look back from my time of life, I think my parents' uh, generation let the air out the ball, and my generation. No, my, no, excuse me, my parents' generation dropped the ball and my generation let the air out of it. And yeah, and now this generation is driving over it. Yeah, yeah, they're driving over. And so yeah. I want, you know, we need to leave a record. There need, and hopefully it won't be necessary, but the, there need to be voices and as many voices as possible, voices like yours, that's going to mm -hmm. stand for the truth, no matter what. And and like I said, like when, when if, it, if it comes to tearing down false idols like MLK or anybody else, it don't matter because right. Right. when Judgment Day come, none of them folks gonna be standing up there with us. And if we right. find ourselves in the White Throne, we already toast. Yeah, yeah, if you, yeah. If you if you at the Great White Throne Judgment, it's over. Yeah, you're already toast. So that's right. <laughs> so 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 and, 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 and you know one of the most one of the most strong statements in the Bible that I could even think of is in Matthew 7 when these folks are talking about, well, Lord, didn't I do this? Didn't we do this? Do we do this and that? And mm -hmm. he says, I never knew you. And that's something you don't yeah. know one that really truly right. believes it's over there somewhere in the word of God. You don't want to hear that. Mm -hmm. you, I mean, you shouldn't hear that, you yeah. know, if you're a faithful disciple of Jesus Christ. Amen. So before we wrap it up, anything you got to tell the people? Well, I want to start a movement here in Arizona. I want to call it Come to Arizona. For everybody that's out of state, everyone knows that Arizona has received a lot of political attention. And I believe this is a specific reason for that. I believe it's because of spiritual warfare. And we need as many boots on the ground. Come into Arizona. Come in and join my team. Knock doors. Make phone calls. Get on my team and help push me through. Get me to Congress. I believe that this moment, I'm met and prepared for this moment because I'm a spiritual warrior and I'm also politically astute and I want to fight for the people. 
I'm concerned about our freedom. I'm concerned about this thing coming from Satan and how certain men have bought into doctrines of devils. I need to get to Congress and write bills against Bill Gates, who's trying to poison our food and give us poison shots. I need to write bills that is attacking our farmers and farmland and attacking our food source. They, they are trying to wedge a war against humanity. And I wanna go there and help fight for you. Come to Arizona, come by the hundreds and come by the thousands. By the time I get to the general election, I would love to have three to 4,000 people going out with me to knock doors and then persuade voters to vote for Jerome Davidson and vote for Republican down the ticket. I'm asking for your help. I'm also, this month, I'm trying to raise $100,000 for my campaign, okay? I'm very far from that, but I'm grassroots. I don't receive any money from any of these special interest people at all. I'm going grassroots and I'm believing God and I'm trusting in you. Send uh, five or ten dollars to my campaign. I'm not trying to get you to break the bank, but but donate your shoe size. And I wish everybody had the size of Shaquille O'Neal's foot, which is about a 27. But if it's five or six or ten or twelve, just send that to my campaign. Go to JeromeDavison.com, J-E-R-O-N-E-D-A-V-I-S-O-N.com. Make a donation. Also, come to us. Email me at Team Davison at JeromeDavison.com if you're interested in coming to Arizona. Tell everybody, come to Arizona. Amen. Well, Pastor Davidson, Patriot Davidson, hold on one second. We're going to close this thing out. Lord, we want to thank you and praise you for this time. We ask you to bless Jerome Davidson his campaign, his efforts, and bless all righteous men that are standing up for your word. We give you the praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.